Episode 233 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the American actress Anne Archer, who's best known for playing Beth in the 1987 psychological thriller film Fatal Attraction, which won her nominations for the Academy Award, BAFTA Award and Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress. Other movies Anne is remembered from include Paradise Alley, Raise the Titanic, Patriot Games, Shortcuts and Clear and Present Danger. This interview took place in 1990 when Anne came to London to promote a movie in which she co-starred with Gene Hackman called Narrow Margin, which was based on the 1952 film The Narrow Margin. I saw the film the other night. It's a really enjoyable thriller. Very exciting. Oh, good. Is, is it how you imagined it was going to be? Is it um, I think so. I, I mean, I, I was pleased that that you, you know the quality was there. I think they put you know a lot of production value into it. And in that kind of a movie, that's really important because you're not exactly doing a complex character study of anything or any real life situation that uh, you can treat sort of very inexpensively and the subject matter is so important that it doesn't matter. You, I mean, you really have to, you have to put the money behind all the special effects and great editing, that kind of stuff. So I was pleased. I think, I think the film looks wonderful. I think it really, it, uh, he got as much size out of it as he could, which I think was valuable. Did you see the, the original, as it were, the one that it was sort of based on? No, because it really didn't have anything to do with our movie. And, uh, you know, they, they told me that right from the beginning. They basically borrowed the title of the train. That there's no, I, and even if they had, I'm not sure I would have seen it. I, I don't know that it serves an actor's work to see something else like what they're going to do. I think, in fact, it's probably detrimental. It kills your creativity. Mm. I read in the production notes you were saying that your character, Carol, could have been anyone, almost. Do you, do you really think that? Do you really think that anyone could end up in a situation like that? Well, I, I don't. I, I don't think I meant it that way. I, what I meant is, you know, people would ask me, "Well, tell me about your character," and I would say, "Well, she really could have been anyone." What, what makes the film or what makes it interesting is what happens to her. I mean, I, she could have been uh, from any background, I suppose. She could have been still married. She could have been single. She could have not had children. She could have been a lot of different things and still made the decision to disappear and try and avoid the situation. So what makes it interesting is that the, the situation happened to her. Mm. That's all I meant by that. And um, I tried to give her some sort of um, more valid reason to, to decide not to testify, not to confront that whole horrible situation. Because originally she was just a, a single woman, a divorcee or whatever. We didn't really know what she was. We didn't know if she'd ever been married or anything. And so I suggested that we give her a child and that her reason for disappearing was that she felt that her child would be dead if uh, she went public with this, that it was mafia and they would, they would use whatever means they could to threaten her and frighten her, her child could be abducted or well, something could happen and that she wanted, so she decided to disappear and put as much distance between herself and her child as she possibly could. And I think it, I think it did, uh, you know, her reasoning in that moment. I think it worked, and 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 Peter Himes loved the idea, and then he wrote a lovely scene, which ended up being one of my nicest scenes in the film when I explain why I'm on that train and 
and I say, you know, this is really not about me, it's not just about me, I think that worked quite well. What aspect of, of the character was it which drew you to that part? Uh, I don't think it was the aspect of the character that drew me to the part. I think it was uh, working with Gene Hackman that drew me to the part. Mm. That must have been fun. Mm -hmm. What sort of a guy is he then? He's wonderful. He's just, uh, he's, he's supportive as an actor. He has um, an extraordinary sense of humor. Uh, he's also a private person. He's also very, very shy. And he, uh, he loves music and sports. And he's somebody you'd admired for a while, as in wanted to yes. work with, is that right? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, he's, uh, I just like his work as an actor. It interests me. And uh, I think when actors work with good actors, they are better. I think you feed each other. Yeah. And uh, th that's what you want to do. You want to work with people that, that give you something. And Gene is great fun to act with. Mm. Just to, to get back to the, the plot, as it were, you being a brunette and the other girl being a blonde, do you think there was any significance in the fact that you had a more sort of meatier role and she had a sort of rather more flimsy Role. No, I think I was just the female lead in the movie, and there was another was smaller part. And <laughs> um, you know, sometimes the director doesn't want to cast two brunettes because he doesn't want any sort of confusion, and yeah. or he does, and he'll say, "But let's change her hair or something." But uh, I don't recall any discussions of that sort of thing while we were doing this movie. Because <laughs> it looked like uh, a bit of confusion between the two of you uh, before the plot developed could have been quite useful because she could have been mistaken for you, which is what everyone was anticipating, isn't it? Well, yes, except they don't know what she looks like at all, so that's she right. could just be blonde, Absolutely. it wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's true. Mm -hmm. But do, do you feel that there is any discrimination against blondes or brunettes or anything like that in the film world? Or do no. you think it makes no odds or not? No, I don't yeah. think it makes any difference. Because, I mean, you're landing some really great roles and you wonder <laughs> that, and I was just wondering if, you know, maybe... If Hair color, I, 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 if, if it's come down to hair color, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I guess so. Our, our industry, yeah. you know, I don't know, would be pretty weird. <laughs> now, this is like two major thrillers that you, you've been involved in. I mean, are you not scared of getting remotely typecast in any way? No, because really they're really two very different kind of films. And, but you've and, been a victim uh, in both, haven't you? Well, I mean, is there anything else women ever get to play? I mean, it would be nice. And women mostly get to play victims, wives, or hookers. That's about it, you know. It's a sort of limited field, with very little interesting material out there. So, you you know, you have to go where the work is, or you or you don't work. So, I think it's more to do with that. Certainly not a choice on my part to play a victim. But she wasn't really a victim. I mean, that was what was nice about it. She had some spunk, and she felt that she was a survivor on her own. And she felt she didn't need him. And he really put her in an awful lot of danger that she probably would have avoided uh, if uh, it hadn't been for him. And also, I never thought of Fatal Attraction as a thriller. When we were making it, Adrian Lyne edited it in such a way that it became a thriller. And we did a new ending, which made it more of a thriller. But really, it was uh, it, the original script was really an American tragedy. It was really about relationships and uh, infidelity. And about a butterfly. Yes, and it wasn't about scary thriller stuff, but it ended up being the most riveting choice to make to sort of to to move the plot along. It was that frightening thriller aspect, which you know, a, which was Adrian's wonderful imagination. I mean, he really added that layer to the film. It really wasn't well, it wasn't there really in the script. Is he a British director? Oh yes, yeah. Oh, yes. And you've just been working with another British director. 
was eminent. John Irvin. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of yeah. British directors, yeah. more British directors than American, actually. Do you find there's a big difference? Yeah, I love working with British directors. First of all, they're very, very highly trained. I mean, they really know their stuff. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just been, I've, maybe I've just been lucky, but I, I feel that they've always treated me with a wonderful kind of affection and, and uh, I've just been loved by British directors. What can I tell you? I've felt, I felt their support more so than in other instances. So I, it, it probably is just coincidence, but I have a fondness for them for that reason. You, you got this new movie out, Eminent Domain, fairly soon. When does that come out? I would think in the spring here. I, I haven't heard the exact release date, but I right. believe in the spring. What type of film is that? It's, um, it's a political drama very very suspenseful as well it's but it's not a thriller it's just it's a different kind of a movie it's about political suppression really uh, Donald Sutherland plays the sixth man in the Politburo in uh, 1979 under the Garrick regime and he falls into disfavor with the chairman and he has no idea why and I play his wife Mira who really is the keeper of his soul it's as much a love story as it is a political drama and um, our life falls into disarray. We, we've lived at the top, and all of a sudden, we're thrown to the, the bottom bottom. And some really horrendous things happen. It's a wonderful story. But if I told you the story, I'd spoil the film. For sure, yeah. It's based on a true story. And it's another one of those very important stories that need to come out about what it's like to live under political suppression, what it's like to be Eastern European on a day-to-day -day basis, live that life. I hear you enjoyed working with... Donald Sutherland as well. We oh, yeah. We had yeah. great time. He and I became great friends right. during the filming. He's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful actor. Very creative. you work with some great leading men now, haven't you? Yeah, I've worked with lots of great leading men. Not always, the movies haven't always been so good, but the leading men have been wonderful. <laughs> you said earlier that you weren't too happy with the type of roles that women get. Have you ever considered writing anything yourself? Or? Oh, I do consider it, but screenwriting is... Uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to just be another person sitting down trying to write a script. I, I don't know. I'd have to feel that I really knew exactly what I want, the story I wanted to tell, and that I could tell it well. I, I tend to be a bit of, perf of a perfectionist, and consequently, sometimes it gets in my way because I don't want to do it. I don't think that, unless I think that, uh, you know, it'll be as brilliant as the next, as the most brilliant screenwriter's work is. Because a lot of people, the public tend to pigeonhole you, and you are an actress. You are. They won't let people be as versatile, will they? Necessarily, unless. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter what the public thinks because it's really only what the industry thinks right. that's going to affect your career anyway. And if if I wrote a screenplay that was good, believe me, you know it would. There aren't many. It would. I'm sure it would get very quickly picked up. Now, whether I'd get to act in it or not, then would be another question. That's you know. Well, we love the work, but we want Meryl Streep to do it. We want, you know, a, more of a box office name and so blah, blah. You never know. So, you know, there's always some battle to fight. It's, or you want to direct it. Well, you can't direct your own material. We love this piece of material, but we want so-and-so to direct it. Does it, does it bother you? Do, you? do you feel a bit bitter that Meryl's getting all the big roles? No. Oh, no. Or Glenn Close, even. No, no. I never feel bitter about other actresses. The fact of the matter is, is there's not much material around. And so the competition is stiff, but I've never been competitive with other actors. My feeling is that we all should be working, and and their success makes me feel that I can be successful, mm -hmm. and and it, I take inspiration from it. I, I've never, even when I lose out a role to somebody, 
Unless I don't think they're a good actress, mm. or I, f I feel that I'm much better qualified than they, then then maybe I feel something. But most of the time, I'm losing out to actresses that I totally admire, and right. so you know, it's hard to. You, you can't feel badly. I mean, that's part of the business. So. One imagines that you're inundated with roles every day, and that you're. A lot of crap, yeah, sure, I'm inundated. <laughs> All actresses are inundated if they're really kind of up at the top there. They're inundated with a lot of bad material all the time. And there's a little bit of good material. And the good material you don't always get offered. You have to sort of fight for You have to be positioned for You have to win it out, and it's a director's decision. And he doesn't care what you've done so much. He just cares whether you're right for what he wants. And, and uh, although they, they do go... The directors are as um, vulnerable or subject to what is cachet or whose cachet at the moment is anybody, as the public is. They like to think they're above it, but they're very influenced by whose cachet at the moment, uh, in spite of that. So, are you cachet? Uh, well, I, I, I'm on a list. That helps. That's all I can say at this point. And, uh, cachet is right after a nomination or a big right. movie comes out. It's a very short period of time. Because you, you got that, you got that <laughs> nomination for yeah. I mean, how much does it really matter? Well, I don't think it matters in terms of getting you more work, but I think it matters on just a personal level. I think it's a wonderful feeling. Really, I, I think most performers only care about being recognized by their peers. Mm. I mean, that that's really the highest honor there is. So that feels good. Doesn't do you any good, but it feels good. Did it bother you that you didn't get it? No. No, I was all right either way. I was ready to get it. Mm. I could have gotten it. You had your speech ready, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely could totally have that experience of of winning. It was absolutely all right with me and was ready to do it. But I wasn't, um, I'm not competitive. It's it's strange. I'm, I, I like to, I like to win for myself, but, uh, I don't like other people to lose. Mm. So it, I, I, it always gives me a huge immediate perspective. Uh, I thought Olympia Dukakis was great in Moonstruck, so I could totally appreciate mm. her being acknowledged, and I had no problem with that. Mm. Um, but you said you, you were offered loads of roles at the moment. Have you found most of them are sort of rather cheap imitations of Fatal Attraction? Have you found loads of those coming through your door? No, no. Once in a great while, one of those comes through my door. No, just there's so many scripts out there that are just mediocre, but are maybe getting made, and, and you know, there's just a lot of material, and, or there's a, a small role in a very big, important film, but there's nothing much to do with it, you know, you can't really make a mark in it, or you're just window dressed, you know, there's things like that that are offered all the time, that to all actresses, uh, it, you know, that people are always trying to get something better than maybe their film deserves, and so you, you just turn them down. Is there any one role which somebody else has got which you'd have given your eye teeth for? Mm. I can't think of anything right now, but if I could, I wouldn't tell you anyway, because that would not be that would not be good for me to see in print, and good for them to see in print, and good for Hollywood to see in print. <laughs> Did you have any idea of how much controversy Fatal Attraction was going to create? Oh, I I thought it was going to be a very good film. I thought it would it would um, work on the level of uh, Kramer versus Kramer, for instance. But I didn't. I didn't realize it would go through the roof the way it did. I don't think you ever know that until you. When I saw the final version, I suspected it could be. I, I knew it would be well received. I knew that 
it would be well received. I just didn't know it would go through the roof. It, it went through the roof because it pushed everybody's buttons in a particular subject. It was such a universal theme that, you know, it didn't matter whether it was the United States or Italy or France or Great Britain or I'm sure all of Western Europe. Eastern Europe, I don't think, understands that kind of movie as well because their culture is quite different. Fascinating to hear you on the Wogan show the other night talking about how you can tell a type of man from the way they reacted to that film. Mm -hmm. What was actually your personal reaction? How did you feel about the moral dilemma that was faced by these characters? Well, you know, I'm, I, I, I've never viewed life in a particularly black and white way, so I'm an artist, so, you know, I've, I've had friends, I've had and have girlfriends who are the mistress at the moment, who are my best friends and I totally understand their predicament and, and where their heart lies. And I have girlfriends who are the wives who are being cheated on that I adore and totally understand their predicament and feel for them. And I have male friends who are unfaithful that I, I love dearly and, and think of as, you know, why do they do that? Or, or I have male friends that are unfaithful that I understand why they're unfaithful. Do you know what I'm saying? And I have male friends that are faithful. So, so you know, I, 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 don't, I don't line myself up in any direction because life is a very mixed bag and you can't, you, you can't just say one is right and one is wrong. It's, it's a very mixed bag. Did you get people coming up to you in public and, and sort of making some judgment on the, on the situation or perhaps feeling sorry for you? Because a lot of people do take the movies as real mm -hmm. life, don't they? Well, if they, if they do or have, I, I don't think they shared it with me. No, I didn't hear very much. <laughs> mm. But I mean, presumably a lot of people still, uh, whatever you do, are going to associate you with that role. Does that bother you? Well, I think that just goes with the territory. Actors are associated with the roles that have been the most successful, the films that have been most successful. And what you hope is that you do several that are so different that that sort of evens itself out in time. It's like Glenn was associated with playing the nice girl and she wanted to do Fatal Attraction enormously, sort of break that, because she really broke it in the opposite direction. You know, she was this villainess, and, but it opened up the most important doors to her career. She was then able to do, uh, you know, Les Liaisons Dangereuses, where she was playing a very well, she manipulative. Did right, but I did the other role. Yeah. But she was playing a very manipulative woman, and and then able to play, you know, Hamlet's mother, uh, Gertrude. I, those are roles that were harder for her to get in film prior to Fatal Attraction and yet she's ultimately suited to them. But the industry thought, oh, she's the nice girl next door. So they think, I'm a wife. I'm not a wife any more than I'm a, a murderess. I can play anything. But you, you need to sort of have the opportunity to show that. Have you ever had any scary situations such as narrow margin or Fatal Attraction? No. Or no. None at all? No. First of all, I never put myself in danger. <laughs> Nobody could help putting themselves in danger. Well, no, but I, you know, I, I'm not interested in skydiving. I'm not interested in, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't climb on top of trains. <laughs> yeah, but fans can get quite nasty. Don't well, they, not with me though. I think that's something that's more of a problem for rock stars, probably. Or right. Certain kinds of performers sort of uh, pull that into their experience because of the kind of performer they are. I don't think it would ever really touch me. And men have a hard time. You know, Stallone has a hard time with fans because yeah. he, he, because of the kind of movies he does, and yeah. he's a male figure. Women, women don't get treated in the way male fans get treated yeah, because so. female fans act ridiculous yeah. toward male stars, and they don't act as ridiculously toward the female stars. 
Did you have a hero when you were a No. I've never been uh, gaga or tongue-tied around celebrities, frankly. No. I've, I've all, I know both sides of it. They're just people. And, uh, you know, they've had a lucky shot in terms of their career, but their celebrity them is not what makes them special. It's their work. So I've never been particularly uh, gaga. So you weren't a starstruck kid that had to go into movies? No. So I was never starstruck. I, I came from an acting family. My mother was an actress, my father an actor, and my stepfather a theatrical producer. I thought everybody acted. I, uh, people who were things like doctors or lawyers were strange. Mm. Didn't know those people, how they thought or what their family life was like. They were weird as far as I was concerned. I was the one that was normal. Mm. I had the normal life. I had a life that was full of books and art and, and interesting people over at the house and amusing conversation. and. You know, we had our share of alcoholics and eccentrics, but I thought that's what made my life interesting. I thought everybody else's life was boring in comparison to mine. So were you born in Beverly Hills or not Hollywood? In Los Angeles. Los Angeles, yes. Yeah. yes there is no Hollywood, by the way. Well, Hollywood is just an old name that got stuck because there was an original film studio in the 20s that was in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a brother and sister? Uh -huh, I have a brother. Mm -hmm. And he's a pilot. His name's Greg. And, and so you, the natural progression was to go to drama school and, and then into the No, then, no, I went, I had a very uh, normal, uh, complete education, went to good, you know, really good prep school, so to speak, a girl school and then, and then college and majored in theater arts in college. Did you always have this thing that you would be a star one day? Did your parents I you? had this thing that I wanted to be a very successful actress in feature films. A star is also a word that people in the business don't refer to. It's the outside that people call them stars. Inside, that sort of sounds a little, I don't know, sounds strange. I mean, I want to be a star. You know, it sounds hokey in a funny sort of way. So, no, I didn't think of it that way. I wanted to be successful in feature. I wanted a chance to do great roles in feature films. Mm -hmm. And I still do. I mean, that's a constant struggle. How, how normal a life are you able to lead there? A totally normal life. Yeah, because in Los Angeles, everybody's everybody's totally normal. Yeah, yeah. No, everybody's not recognized. That's another. If you ever spent time in L.A., you'd realize it's just a town. Yeah, you know, it's just a town. I mean, it's a big old town, and and you know, uh, there aren't any Hollywood parties. There's none of that. I mean, maybe there's something thrown for the opening of a film, and and you know, you go and you you see other well-known faces there, and from time to time. But your average life. Uh, you know, the average person that you think of a celebrity is in his uh, in his sweats, I suppose, you know, around his house and going out and exercising or going to work or um, just living a, a normal life. Do you exercise a lot and take good care no, of No, I exercise uh, at times when I want to get ready for something. I'm really good and, and then I'm really bad for three months and, and don't do one bit of exercise because my life, I'm busy over here doing that. And, I'm very inconsistent. I have no consistent uh, program. I wish I did, but I'm not. So you're still living in Los Angeles? Yes, I spend a lot of time in New York, though. And right. Most of the time when I'm working, I'm working in New York. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, your husband is in the business as well, in a kind mm -hmm. of way, isn't he? He's mm -hmm. producer-director. Right, in sports. Mm -hmm. In sports? Yes, television sports, ABC Sports oh, Television. I see, because you, did a, you made a movie together... Yes, he used. He was an actor. He had been very, very successful in sports and left right. that for a while to be an actor. And we met as actors, and we actually developed a project, put a whole film together, made a film together that he acted in with me, and all that. But he he went back into the sports area. He really didn't like waiting to be chosen. He's a guy who's very 
able and he could run a studio. He was really, really able and he wasn't meant to sort of be uh, a victim of other people's whims. He likes to start things. So you met and you were both working on a film? No, we met in an acting class 13 and a half years ago. And you've been married for? 12 years. For 12 years. Because mm -hmm. Hollywood marriages are not exactly famous for staying no, together. No, yeah, but, uh, but then again, we have a number of friends who've been married for eons who are who are in the film business in LA. We have friends that have changed husbands three or four times too, wives, but there are. They do exist. <laughs> what do you think is the strength of your particular relationship? Uh, Knowing the business, both of you? No, it has nothing to do with the business at all. It, it's just a personal, private thing between us. It has nothing to do with being, any, being actors or... I think it has to do with just our basic philosophy of... Uh, I don't think we have any secrets, probably. We, we're, we're very good friends as well. We don't lie to each other, not even in little things. If I can't resist and I spend several thousand dollars in a day on some clothing and I feel guilty and I know I shouldn't have, I don't try and pretend I didn't. You know, I tell him. And, uh, you know, from down to little silly things like that to the big things, we, we don't lie to each other. Is he your best critic as well? No, he doesn't criticize me at all. Really? No, I don't criticize. That's another thing we don't do. Right. We don't criticize each other. Right. What about children? Do you have children? Mm -hmm. You no, do? Mm -hmm. Two children. Jeffrey and uh, Tommy. Tell me a little bit about who do they take after and what sort of things oh, they do. Oh, they, they're, they're totally individual and, and they, don't, I don't, they don't take after anybody, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, one is in um, kindergarten and one just started college. Well, you're living quite a sort of international jet-set lifestyle. Now. Does that not upset the family balance when you're filming? And so do you take them with you? Yes, I, I think that, you know, if, if um, I was a diplomat, you know, I'd be traveling all over the world. And if I were an executive in an international company, I'd be traveling all over the world. And, and same with my husband. So, so in this day and age, the family... You know, if you're successful in working in any sort of international way, you travel. So I think my life is like a lot of people's lives that I know, and it's not very disruptive. It's not disruptive at all to us because we all are. We all jump on planes all the time, all with our kids, without our kids. We don't leave them for very long. I was bringing my youngest one. My older one's old enough. He's got his own life, but my youngest one is always with me. And, and if I leave him, I never leave him, usually for more than three weeks. That's the longest period of time I, I feel is appropriate. So we, we just do the best we can, and I never worry about the future. I take one project at a time. A lot of um, actresses or actors whatever would be scared of having a family in case it damages their chances of getting big roles and things. But it doesn't seem to have done you any harm at all. In fact, your career has really taken off since you've had children. Yeah, and I don't think what you said is true. I, I think people on the outside think, oh, it must be hard to have a family if you're an actor. But let's see, Meryl Streep, how many kids is she on now? Um, She's pregnant again. Yeah, I mean, they've all had kids at some point or another. I think you miss out on something in your life if you say, I'm not going to have children because it might ruin my career. And I sure know a lot of actresses whose careers were sort of so-so. They had a kid, and after that, their careers have really been far better. I remember at a particular point, Susan Sarandon decided to have a child, and I think she's done her best work in her later years, and, and her most interesting film work has come long after her child was born, she's pregnant with another one. Um, Goldie Hawn has a bunch of kids. Uh, yeah. Are you looking to have any more? No. Mm -mm. 
No, I think I've done that. <laughs> do they? Do you think they might go into the business at all? No, uh, I don't know about the youngest. The oldest, I for sure won't. Uh, and I, the youngest, I don't know. Yeah. I'll see, he's too young to know. Is there any sort of indication as to what their interests might be? Do they no, take an interest yeah. in your career at all? Well, sure. I mean, they're very proud of their mother and they're proud of their father. I mean, they're really, they're very proud of us. And and uh, but you see that our life is normal to them. That's all they've ever known. So it's just that's what mom does, and this is what dad does, and this is our life, and that's sort of kind of the way it goes. They're always interested, but you know, young people, as they should be, are all most interested in themselves. Mm. When you're growing up, what's happening with me? How am I doing? And I feel this. I feel that. They're very self-involved. That's part of the evolution of a child into an adult. So they're, they don't, that's what they do. They worry about themselves. <laughs> Obviously, at the moment, a lot of people are worrying for their families anyway because of the environment and things. Are you one to worry about the world and for your children and all that sort of thing? I worry about the world. You know, I'm very politically aware of what's going on. I, I follow, you know, world situations carefully. I, you know, I'm an avid reader and watcher of the news and that sort of thing. I have high interest in that area and would like to see things change. And I do get concerned, but I'm not a negative person. I'm not a pessimist. I'm not a doomsday person. And I don't think it does anything for your family or the world to, to sort of put that out there all the time. I, I am a positive person. I do have hope. And, and I expect my children's lives to be good. And, uh, and I do what I can do to make sure that they are, and I try and I'm trying more and more as I get older to contribute to the world in some way to make things better rather than taking no responsibility. I, if my children did did something I would be the most proud of, it would be to take responsibility for the world and not not just their own happiness, but but to give something to society while they're here. I, I feel that if we raised our young children to feel that that's their job, to, to make a better world and, and to sacrifice their own sort of personal pleasure to sort of make a better world. I think that would, I would be a very proud parent. Now sometimes your greatest contribution is your art and if you have a child that's a brilliant violinist then that's what he should do. But if he's, he's looking for an area I'd say what can you do to help this world? Go, go look in those areas. Finally, what are your personal and professional hopes, ambitions? Well, I want to continue to to work in feature films and get better roles and, and act. I mean, I really love doing that. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to just continue my work as an actress and work with great directors. Really, that's really the bottom line: is to work with better directors. And what about personally? Well, you know, everything's a balance. You you want the best for your family. You want the best for your work and your friends and yourself and the world. I, you know, I don't think I could say anything any more specific than that.